This is the Open School of Business, the podcast dedicated to success by delivering insightful conversations with business experts from different walks of life. Here's your host, Anaru Musakwa, entrepreneur and a project management professional. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please leave your comments and questions, rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe. Let's begin. Um, I'm so happy to introduce you today to my next guest on our podcast. Her name is Swate Young. Uh, she's the founder of Tech Notch Solutions. It's a technology strategy and management consulting firm. And uh, Swathi previously held leadership positions at companies such as Amtrak, SunGuard, and Oracle. She worked across a wide variety of industries, including supply chain, high-tech, transportation, and finance, as well as in different geographies, Belgium, India, and United States. I'm specifically very excited to have met Swathi and to introduce you today because she built this community that is over 2,000 members in DC. And it's called DC Emerging Technologies. And its purpose um, is having conversations and educating people around the emerging technologies like blockchain and AI, and how they can be used to increase productivity and growth and innovation within your companies. Swathi is also a Women in AI Ambassador. It's a nonprofit organization that promotes women's involvement in AI and has members over 90 countries. That is amazing. Um, Swathi, you bring a wealth of knowledge uh, from IT, AI, project management, business, blogging. There's so many fields um, of interest and uh, fields of your expertise. Mm -hmm. So. That's why my first question is, what is on your plate nowadays? What are the things that you're mostly focused on? No, thank you for having me on your podcast. And I think that's a great question because often I'm juggling multiple things. And the interesting part about my transition from corporate America to being an entrepreneur is that I not only do technology solutions, but I also do marketing and sales. You have to do it since you're, <laughs> you have your own business, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think what's on my plate is strategizing how to move my business, which is sort of in the startup -y mode and take it forward and scale it. Um, mm -hmm. That's always on a day-to-day -day basis um, on my plate. At, at the same time, I'm also juggling doing marketing, which means I'm giving talks, I'm organizing events, I'm doing uh, podcast interviews like this one, or I'm also speaking at conferences, I'm recording videos. And, and then um, since I'm not actually working in a corporate setting with a large team around me, I like to meet mm -hmm. people for lunches and coffees get to know them, what they're doing, maybe learn from them and also offer my help if I can be of any assistance. So that's a lot of things going on, but that's what makes me excited about being an entrepreneur. Uh, that is correct. And uh, I'm so glad you mentioned about uh, your company being in sort of a startup mode because I was reading you online and you post a lot of things about 
MVP, uh, about, uh, you know, business model. So nowadays people really focus on the business model rather than the business plan, like in the old schools. Mm -hmm. So um, my next question is actually, uh, how do you um, do this type of, like, how do you decide what kind of topics you're going to write about? Uh, how do you organize your content, the time around it? And basically to really, the, the end goal is to bring a customer. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you really uh, organize all the content and all of your marketing activities around that? Um, so I think the goal of my content is one to educate and spread awareness about artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence is a very broad term it's a hyped up term it's an ambiguous term so my goal is to help people understand at a very fundamental level what it actually is so a lot of my marketing content whether it's videos or blogs these days are, are about mm -hmm. ai another topic which is which i'm really really passionate about is ethics in ai data privacy in AI. So that is my pet project that I do a lot of research on and I keep writing about those, some of the current issues that we are witnessing even as we speak. And if we don't address and not spread awareness about them, it's going to impact the society as large. So essentially, Sometimes actually it might be to my disadvantage that I don't focus on, oh, this content will bring a customer. It's not like that. I'm more focused on, I want to spread awareness. I'm passionate mm -hmm. about certain topics like ethics and AI, um, data privacy in AI, as well as biased data sets in AI. So whatever I'm passionate about, whatever I'm researching, whatever I'm learning, I try to share it with everybody. And it has been well received. And then I've been viewed as a thought leader because of that. So it's mm -hmm. all indirect um, through my content and educating and helping everybody learn about these topics that people are aware of my expertise. So it's an indirect modality of marketing, but it works really well for me. Um, mm -hmm. but regarding the content creation, videos definitely are shorter to create so i do my videos myself um and usually i take three takes the first two are almost like practice and i do three takes and then i send it off to a freelancer to edit it so that is really short cycle like it will be done within half an hour um the blogs are really time consuming so uh, if you look at my top trending blog, which is top 10 trends of AI in 2019, I have over 200 likes on Medium for it. That took me a day and a half to write. Yeah, it's a deep uh, Yeah, because I am researching. Mm -hmm. I research as well as I write my thoughts about it. So that and I also am like a stickler for these perfect sentences. So I keep on editing. Um, but I would say on an average, some of the other shorter blogs would take me about four to five hours. Okay. So uh, I, I like that how you mentioned that because of this content, you are uh, seen as a thought leader and in the process of learning, you're also sharing your learnings and your research. 
So there's a lot of free things that you give away to people without bringing in your company and making it a service. So, and that's great because um, I, Later on, I was going to ask you about your success. Do you view um, competition, a healthy competition, something that would have helped you along the way or collaboration mm-hmm. is a more of a model that you take? So, you know, already it seems like you do a lot of collaboration based on even the fact that you give a lot of free material away and you are participating in a lot of nonprofits. Yes. Um, but just so that we do cover this topic, I'm wondering in your experience, uh, how did you see competition play out versus collaboration? Um, that's a good observation you had. Obviously, I'm more collaborative than competitive, not because there are not enough competitors. The marketplace is filled with competitors. Yeah. But the interesting thing about a service company like myself, so I provide services. I have a small product, which is a chatbot, but predominantly I'm a services company. And services company is very nuanced, right? So somebody can provide just IT development services. Somebody else can provide strategy, and I do both. So one of the things I do personally is I provide technology strategy. I help organizations launch new technology products and also bring technology developers if they need to enhance the product. And then my other part of the business is I provide training on AI implementation, bring in data scientists to implement um, an AI solution. So it's a little unique. So if you look at my website, you will see the chatbot, you will see technology product strategy and AI solutions, which not many people will offer that combination. So that right. is why I do, I have like um, multiple secondary competitors, but I don't focus on them because it's not a one-to-one. It's good to know, okay, there are some other competitors who started at the same time I did, but they're ahead of you. Maybe that's a good motivator for me to to catch up and strategize. But collaboration is what I totally believe in. In fact, there is one federal organization that does only AI solutions, and he's almost my friend now. I totally collaborate with him to do projects together or to brainstorm things that are happening or even share events with him. Although he's my competitor, I'm sort of collaborating with him. So who knows if we get a bigger project, maybe we can go together. Mm-hmm. So I'm always That's an excellent approach. And it's been, I think, something of a newer age thing and also a lot of startups and and in general, I think leaders they realize that by collaborating, you can create a bigger pie, mm-hmm. and you can create a knowledge that's so much more beyond of what you can do by yourself and by competing. So it's really an extraordinary uh, thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially, I love the fact that you are leading DC Emerging Technologies Meetup. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I was wondering if you could share some stories of collaboration that might have happened during that, um, in that community specifically. Right. So most collaborations in that community are about uh, 
somebody coming and asking, they were looking for a job and I introduced them to someone else. And more recently, our next event on November 10th is a very good example of collaboration. So the organizer of another meetup group called Our Ladies uh, was a speaker at my previous event. So now mm -hmm. Our Ladies and DC Emerging Technologies are collaborating uh, towards an excellent event on November 10th, which is called um, Entering into a Career in Data Science. So this is a collaborative effort because we are going to reach our communities together and increase their awareness about this event, especially because data science is such a highly paid job nowadays. Oh, and yes. And it's very scarce, especially in DC area. It's right. not very easy to find a good data science <laughs> and, it, and it's throughout the united states and the rest of the world as well yeah. so uh, when we have a topic and we have an excellent speaker who's going to be uh in dc and she's from new york city so we are very lucky to have her so the reach imagine the reach of combined forces to for people to learn about getting into a data science career so yes. this is an excellent mm -hmm. example of collaboration with other meetup groups. I've also collaborated with conferences like Future of Technology Summit um, because they were the first ones to approach us two years back. And since then, we have collaborated with them. Um, so yes, every time I put an event, I go through like the painful process of doing a free event. Um, and, and I always ask myself, why do I go through this pain? And on the day of the event, the answer presents itself because it's very fulfilling and fun to see these collaborations happen. Uh, it is amazing. Yes. Um, I guess one of the interesting things about the free events, how do you make them happen? Because you do need to pay for rent and yes. I don't know, some snacks, uh, whatnot. Right. So, um, so far I have uh, had venue sponsors. So, mm -hmm. um, so when I first started it, it started it in 2016. Um, yes. And I still remember the day I actually did it in the MLK library in DC. And there were like eight or eight of us, including my, my previous team at Amtrak. So uh, we mm -hmm. were very few, but I had a good speaker through my network. And uh, yeah, the library was the first event, but since then it's just requesting co-working spaces or other offices to host us. Mm -hmm. uh, so space has not been that big a challenge. Like if I ask five, six people, one of them usually have provided space, but yes. the food was different. So I have actually sponsored the food at my own expense most of the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've had one event that was sponsored by Capital One. So obviously we were lucky that they were able to provide everything as they're always gracious hosts. And then I think I had a more recent event where one of the venue sponsors actually sponsored some snacks. So food's been mm -hmm. a challenge. It's still been my budget um, and it's, it's just something I love to do. So I have to do, but Yes, as I'm expanding, we would love to have sponsors next year and strategize a little bit around that. And the other thing I must say is like for three years, I did it myself. 
everything A to Z from hosting the event to putting up chairs, pulling down chairs and everything I did myself. And then finally, now I have three amazing volunteers who are helping me. Um, so I think it's a slow process. Right. But I mean, it, everything worthwhile takes work. So it's yeah. amazing. And uh, yeah, I've seen some meetups that don't even think about food. So <laughs> it's, a, it's really cool that you're uh, thinking about that as well and making people really comfortable and enjoying the atmosphere and looking for uh, people to network with. Um, so um, the next one, I guess you said that, you know, you brought a speaker from your network and I'm sure your network must be very big. And uh, one of the reasons probably is because you had a really long and successful corporate career. Uh, so I want our audience to find out more about what's your strategy and uh, what's your recipe to that success and has this strategy has been changed since you now are an entrepreneur. Is it specifically around networking? Uh, no, not necessarily. In general, like if you were to be asked, uh, what should I do to be successful and move up in my career at my company? Uh, what are sort of things that you were doing and thinking that really helped you? Yeah, um, I don't know if I'm still a successful entrepreneur, but definitely I felt like in corporate America, when I was in the corporate world, I could learn some tips and tricks for success. Um, I haven't learned a lot yet as an entrepreneur. There's still a long way to go. But one of the things I would say is like, obviously, it's a given that you have to be better than the best in your work. Uh, but having said that, one thing that we undermine often is communication. Um, so be your own advocate and try to speak about your achievements with humility, which is very difficult. I struggled with it a lot because um, as women, we struggle with, oh, we don't want to brag about what we are doing. We mm -hmm. also think that if we do great work, everything will be given to us in a silver platter. And when we don't get that promotion, we are so disappointed because we are not talking enough about the value we are bringing to the table. The third one and very important, I would say, is learn the business strategy along with technology. So that is the number one skill that helped me move forward in my career. So what I mean by that, so if you are a developer or if you're a scrum master, don't just look at your problem or solution or the project that you're working at with a narrow lens. Look at it in terms of a broader lens of the organization. How is this solution or this project helping the organization either make money or save money or improve customer satisfaction? So these are the things any organization, even if it's a federal agency, they will think about saving money and answering the citizens. So think about in the broader context of the business, how your technology solution is helping you. And once I shifted my lens of thinking like that and talking like that and presenting my ideas like that, I got promoted um, automatically. But it is, uh, first of all, you need to understand 
uh, how your project fits into the context and the mission of your organization. And secondly, how can you communicate and bring ideas? Even if the ideas are shot down, it's important to communicate and speak up during the meetings, prepare for the meetings. Those are the small things that will take you forward. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that, that's a very um, interesting observation about like doing, talking about the bottom line and relating your work to the strategy, to the people, to the work that's being done by the whole organization and the overall goals. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is about caring because you care about what your boss is, is uh, um, having a difficulty with. You care about what is the overall organization's bottom line. And um, so that, that's going to lead you eventually to a better place just because you are doing something um, for others as well, not just for your own department, your own project. Um, so I think it's a very similar thing if you were um, to apply the same strategy to entrepreneurship, if you care about your clients, bottom line and the client's headaches and their customer retention. You can definitely achieve the same. And I the difference, I wanted to add, the difference yeah. is we will do the same once you get the client. The difference is in when is you're getting the client. <laughs> the pipeline, right? So the pipeline is going, is I've spoken to, since I've become an entrepreneur in the last four years, I've spoken to over 200 entrepreneurs and everybody especially in services. Now, if you are a product, if you're selling a Salesforce of, or if you're selling a Microsoft product, your pipeline drew, your pipeline strategy is very streamlined. But if you're selling services of the 200 people I've spoken who are selling services, everybody, almost everybody gets their clients through your own network. Um, mm -hmm. That's not a, a process that you can, uh, regulate properly. So that is the challenge. Once we get the client, yes, we understand we are bringing what we are bringing to the bottom line. What is the value we are adding? I think figuring out for each, for your own unique services uh, company, how do you establish your pipeline so that you have constant business? Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you brought it up because even defining that target audience can yeah. be very hard in the beginning stage. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, exactly finding out who and what kind of companies would be interested in these topics. And it's a trial and error, yeah. you know. And, process they, and, and uh, everybody, every entrepreneur has to learn it for their own. Yes. And also this, um, like for your content, for example, when you speak at conferences or you see the blog posts that are more popular than others, mm -hmm. does that give you sort of indication what are the services that might be more in demand and then you can adapt? Is that something yeah. you do or you like so to say with your own? Interestingly, it's not the analytics of what, which content attracts the most. It's mm -hmm. actually the content and my speaking engagements have given me clients. So especially my speaking engagements, I've got direct clients who are in the audience um, at the events I've spoken. So mm -hmm. uh, they are direct client conversions. I've got at least a couple of leads from LinkedIn 
who have seen me um, speak on a video and then approached me for a project. So uh, yeah, they are direct conversions, not necessarily the analytics of the topics itself, but I think it's the, mm -hmm. it's the whole engagement of what I bring to the table. Yeah, and it's great because they can see you live. So they know not only the things that you talk about, you can also see your personality, the way you present yourself. And, you know, the communication is usually 89% is nonverbal. Right. So therefore, it's really powerful when you are in the room with the decision maker and you can make that impact and... Um, Obviously, as a, a solopreneur, they call them, you really have to have that presence that people are uh, magnetized by uh, what you do, how you are, and they want to work with you. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what you're selling and what are the services, etc. But um, another question, I guess, for me is very interesting because you're the Women in AI ambassador. And a lot of topics are about women in AI, in uh, technologies. So um, uh, do you get clients specifically, for example, have you gotten a client who was interested in that specific topic and wanted you to either give training or uh, do something around um, engaging more women at their workplace into the technology? Not necessarily directly to a request like how to engage women, but um, last year there are a couple of organizations, for example, MicroStrategy has a women in technology group within their organization. So they asked me to come and speak about AI um, and why women should be involved in AI. Because unlike traditional software development, if you don't have enough women in building AI applications, we can build biased systems because the AI data has to be as diverse. So we need a diversity in the team as well. So um, I think it's indirect. Um, MicroStrategy and one another company whose name escapes me, it'll come back to me. Um, last year uh, invited me to give like an inspirational speech um, to their women in technology groups. So it's it's been an indirect ask, but most often these days I have been asked to speak on biases in AI, right? Because uh, biased data sets can actually skew the uh, application results against women and other ethnic minorities. So that's a topic that I often speak on as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, those are really important because recently I just picked up a book um, about design and uh, it was talking about how a lot of things have been designed with only men in mind, yeah. in mind even like the the most standard one is the piano mm. that it's very very convenient for men's hand and not women's and there's some even more um like i mean piano is okay but there are even more essential things like cpr machines for mm. the uh, coronary diseases and it's mostly for men uh, I wouldn't speak specifics for it because I'm not in the medical sphere, but the whole idea of the book is a lot of things and a lot of structures and um, this has been designed with the standard default uh, male uh, user 
male consumer. Uh, so it's amazing how nowadays we have all these new things and if women don't participate, we might end up in the same situation in about 50, 100 years from now. Yeah. And it is so important. Right. Like especially things like facial recognition technologies, even worse situations and consequences. If a facial recognition technology at an airport doesn't recognize a woman of color, you're, you might not be even allowed in the country. So it's got dire consequences. So uh, mm -hmm. it becomes all the more essential. Oh, it is, it is very uh, profound. And as a feminist, I, you know, I want to develop this idea even more because uh, STEM, uh, back in the day, you know, with the people who would be against feminism, they would be like, oh, you don't have to be everywhere. Like certain fields, you don't have to go there. Like, what's the point, right? But it is very important, especially if you are a consumer and there are certain implications, like you said about uh, facial recognition mm -hmm. and uh, even in general, like um, ethical things about the AI, because mm -hmm. men and women, we do have uh, different hormones and a different mentality. Mm -hmm. um, so if those have not been taken into consideration, mm -hmm. uh, there could be very drastic uh, things happening in the future that we will not be participating in or we won't be able to uh, participate in uh, the more advanced way. Mm -hmm. So... Mm, uh, that's really um, amazing that you're doing this work um, Thank you. in terms of inclusion and diversity. Um, and um, I think uh, going back to the networking part, right? I'm sure you're connected with a diverse um, uh, community of different people, developers, uh, business people, uh, leadership. Um, so I'm wondering, like, for example, when you are um, choosing your team, you, you have to get people to work with you on board if you get a project. Mm -hmm. So um, what's your strategy, strategy around pulling these people in? Uh, like, because sometimes these are temporary projects, right? So it's not very easy to make sure you have the team ready when you have something going on. Like right. how do you balance this sort of act? So the one thing about pulling in team members has been uh, very similar to how I did it in corporate, right? So when I managed large teams, like 50 to 100 member teams, I had to pull in sometimes team members from other projects, sometimes contractors. I think that's one thing that has helped me um, now as an entrepreneur. So if I want a C-sharp developer or a Java developer, I go back to my network um, because I'm still small enough. I don't need a recruiter yet. Um, I go back to my network and uh, even before I get the project, I put in feelers and start talking to people and things like that. So that has been, so my collaboration in the past and building networks comes into effect when I need to pull in a quick team of developers to execute a project. Mm, yeah, that, that's nice. Uh, that's where I was thinking that um, since you had a good corporate um, 
experience and career and the network is probably easy and it also saves money you don't need the recruiters <laughs> and right. at some point you might even become uh, sort of a go to go person for certain technology uh, freelancers and especially since you've worked with them you have the knowledge about their work standards and work ethics so that is really great um, I want to go into uh, more um, of the personal development questions now uh, so that we kind of dig deeper to understand how did you learn your collaborative approach? Uh, how did you learn to be so uplifting and inspirational? And so um, whether certain experiences or for example, uh, a favorite book um, or your most inspiring person, uh, I wanna see um, and find out like how you developed your personality uh, maybe from a younger age. Uh, I think from as far as I remember from when I was school and I, and I studied my entire education in India, I didn't go to school or college in the United States. I came here for work. So even when I was really, really young, I was always ambitious, but I always had multiple interests. I was always a collaborator. I was always a leader. I used to lead teams at school. I used to lead quiz competitions. I used to lead dance competitions. So I think I had some inherent little bit of my personality in Bond, but a lot of it also, my mother encouraged me a lot to do multiple extracurricular activities. So um, as a result, like doing like drama club in school or dance in school, like you become a little bit collaborative. And I've always been a voracious reader, like from when I was five or even younger, I have always been um, living, life vicariously through characters and books like Enid Blyton and all the British because I grew up in India and read a lot of British literature. Uh, but one book I remember that stands out which is really funny and weird is um, for inspiration is Gone with the Wind. Um, I remember like I read it first when in the 90s, in the early 90s. And after that, I reread that book. And that's a tome of a book. And I reread it so many mm -hmm. times. And I was amazed that this woman, Scarlett O'Hara, in the Civil War era of America, when women were not like so forward thinking, women were supposed to be behind closed doors. She didn't care. She didn't care a hoot. And in fact, even today, I feel like I'm, I inspired to be like her, but I'm never there. She was like so out there doing whatever, whatever she wanted to do. She was ambitious. She was a businesswoman. Uh, and she was also cunning and conniving. And I don't appreciate those qualities, but I somehow like that fierceness that she brought to the table. So somehow she was, but, uh, but being a voracious reader, there have been so many books like uh, Mahatma Gandhi's My Experiments with Truth. If you actually read the autobiography of Mahatma Gandhi, you'll come to know he was not alone. He might be alone as a leader, but he had a large team and he was so good at networking. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, until 10, 11 years back, I was I didn't even know that you have to network. And that was when I was in corporate America, I used to think, oh, networking is what sleazy people do. You don't want to, you know, 
go and speak to your higher ups and things. And then SunGuard actually sponsored me to a women leadership course. And that changed my view and lens about how to use networking. And networking is actually about collaboration and helping others. Um, and since then, I've been trying to learn. And also, I did an online course, uh, which incidentally is called Find Your Dream Job. And it was uh, it's by an entrepreneur called Ramit Sethi. And he's, he's an amazing thought leader. Just reading his free blog will blow your mind away. So since then... I've met other people who have done similar courses. So I always invest in myself. And some of the courses are very expensive. They cost anywhere between um, $2,000 to $3,000 to $5,000. But it is an investment I make on myself to learn more and more about things that I don't know that I should be incorporating. And maybe I have wrong ideas about it, like networking. Um, so every year, it's not that I decide which courses, but... I know that I'll be doing some courses or others. Sometimes it's leadership courses. Sometimes it's even about the right way to network. And then since I'm an voracious reader, I'm always reading. Like this year, I think three biographies written by women, I really liked and I find especially inspirational. Um, one is obviously Becoming by Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. The other one is uh, Small Fry by Steve Jobs' daughter. Um, and the third one, yeah, I'm curious about educated, um, mm -hmm. edu education or educated by um, this woman, Tara Westward, who never had education until she was in high school, she was not even homeschooled. Um, so suddenly she runs away from her home and finds education, and somehow she ends up at Harvard. Very inspirational story. So Mm -hmm. Every story I read, every book I read is inspirational, but um, those are some of the lessons I've learned along the way. Now, that, that is really inspiring and uh, something I can relate to as well. I read books. I also have this app uh, called Blinkist. I've heard of that. They, they put a summary of books, so that way I pick up the book that I want to read mm -hmm. once I like the, uh, the summary of it. And it's amazing because it's a daily habit now that for me, they have the free version as well. So I, I do the free one and then I browse around to see what else I like. Mm -hmm. And obviously Audible is my friend now for the car rides. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I love the um, that you um, pick up books that are um, about uh, biographies, about the people and their experience. Uh, because sometimes the books that give you a recipe, um, they're very quick read to really understand the experience and how you can apply it and how you can relate to it. It's very important to find, especially if you're a woman, to find women uh, who were in the same shoes. And also, I mean, it's, it's good to pick up other like men's book too, because th then yeah. you understand their experience and how can we... Uh, learn their lessons in becoming more successful, maybe in more established like them, because the way they live is, is a little bit different and their circumstances are different. Yeah. So maybe sometimes putting yourself in those circumstances will also make you a lot stronger and a lot more ambitious. Um, yeah. And one thing that I really love is about your childhood experiences as a leader in dancing and drama club. So uh, this is amazing because now you're in actually very um, 
opposite of of the fields right that the technology and leadership and management um how did you uh, make that decision when you were young that you're going to go that route professionally and maybe not uh, any entertainment, for example, or music. It's, a, it's like a very boring answer. Growing up in the 90s in India, you only have two choices. You become an engineer or a doctor. And um, right. I had two daughters. My sister's a doctor. I'm an engineer. Um, that's a boring answer, but but the reality is it wasn't like a professional level dancing I was doing. I was doing like, tra I learned traditional Indian dance and I love to dance. And now I dance with my three and a half year old son. Um, but it was never an option that came to mind. And even the drama club, it's all about, uh, okay, this is fun to do as a hobby, but it, the thought never crossed my mind that it can be a, profession for me um, so that aside I think what what's important is but the extracurricular activities expands the horizons in the sense you also meet other team members who are not so much into STEM like you are sometimes you also um, improve your um, collaboration skills because you're pulling teams together which is very different if you're doing like a STEM project so that's the short answer that, and I, I want to focus on one thing that STEM necessarily is not no, as nerdy as they consider it to be. I think you can be all, I know like scientists um, who are amazing ballroom dancers. In fact, one of my friends uh, who is an awesome technologist, she has won competitions in ballroom dancing. Um, so I think that lens and that viewpoint has to change that whether it's men or women, uh, if we are in STEM, we are not necessarily nerdy and heads down. We can also be very creative. Okay. Yes, that's uh, excellent because that it's a good segue to my next question. So what are the passions do you pursue in your life still? Do you have any hobbies that you do regularly? So I used to be a short uh, fiction writer, short stories. Um, and in fact, when I was at Sun God, I, I did try to uh, write a novel, which is unfinished right now. So I do like uh, writing fiction, basically. But um, it's been many years, but I always enjoy dancing. Um, like I said, I now have a three and a half year old. So he keeps me on my doors or I dance with him. But at some point when I get more time, I want to return to learn more styles of dancing and such. And obviously I'm a voracious reader. I like to do some outdoorsy stuff, uh, especially with a the kid these days and things like that. Okay, that's awesome. And uh, especially I was thinking because you're such a... Um, avid reader you probably that's also helping you with the writing and the blogging and uh, you know one day we will be very um happy to uh, read your novel <laughs> that's published and done so it's a, it's a tough transition i think not all good readers can become writers when i started writing fiction i realized how tough a thing it is and i took some uh, fiction writing workshops and things like that um, and blogging is a different mindset because technical writing is so different from writing fiction. And then I had to learn through uh, the process. And I read a lot of blogs, like 
uh, Neil Patel, um, who is amazing at marketing, is awesome. I recommend anybody who wants to write a blog, read his blog. He has a tips about how to start with content marketing. So I learned from gurus like them how to get into content marketing and write good content. Oh, yeah. I like that you mentioned Neil Patel. I always listen to his marketing school podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the podcasts that inspired me. Uh, to start a podcast too. <laughs> so, and it's really brief to the point. I love it. Um, so I think um, we really had a great conversation and I enjoyed it a lot. So my last question is, what is your uh, long-term vision for yourself? Uh, where do you want to see yourself in five years? Um, and uh, then we can wrap up. Yeah. Uh- it's so funny. I've, I've never been, I was just telling my friend yesterday that I've never been a goal setter my entire life. For some reason, I always thought setting up goals and meeting them is the most boring thing. Um, I don't know why I had this wrong mindset until like three, I must say five years back. And then, and then I got more strategic about goals and actually going after them. And it's, it's a new process for me, so I'm learning. Um, but irrespective of like a proper tangible goal, all I can say is like five years from now, I want to uh, scale my organization uh, with a lot of team members, obviously, because I have led large teams and I enjoy leading teams. I enjoy mentoring my team members. So I obviously see my organization go to the level of, Um, a lot of team members where I can lead the teams uh, and uh, mentor them at the same time, help my my clients with my team members um, to push their organizations forward as well. Um, So that's my goal. On the other side, I also, it's so funny as an entrepreneur, sometimes I find it so difficult to balance my time actually learning new technologies, but I'd still do that. That's how I got into machine learning. Um, I still want to keep myself abreast and I know as a technologist, technology is only going to move forward. So um, I want to at some point maybe get into research, maybe go back to school um, to learn or implement or even research some of the newer technologies that are super exciting. and maybe even uh, know how to implement them to solve some of the tougher problems, like for example, sustainability and climate change. So um, it's interesting for me that I want to grow as an entrepreneur at the same time I want to quench my thirst for learning as well. Yes, Uh, this is great because by teaching you will learn Mm -hmm. and by learning more, you can teach more. It's sort of a cycle of knowledge and excitement and what that's what makes a lot of uh, part of our life very exciting where we work, uh, learn and teach. Um, And this could be a very good calibration for us um, because I was telling you before that we're opening um, this web uh, service called Open School of Business uh, where you can be both learner and the contributor. And uh, as a contribution, you can share uh, content that's already available online, Uh, a video, a book, a blog, anything, anything that you find useful and you can put it in there and uh, also interact with the learners and and mentor them. 
but the basic idea is because the web is so uh, huge now and there's so much ad content as well mm-hmm. and paid content. Mm-hmm. So we want to really filter that out and curate it and we want it to be created by people and professionals who are not only knowledgeable and have high expertise but also care for the world care for the people and the community like yourself and uh, you know you leading the meetups and uh, sharing so much free content already i think you'll be a great candidate to be one of the um VIP contributors. <laughs> and also, since you love learning and collaborating, I'm sure you'll find this uh, experience rewarding. So um, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I'm, I was very happy to see you online. And um, um, please uh, switch on your um, audio and video devices later on and be the guest of our podcast. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation because you dug deeper into uh, my background and some of my interests. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and good luck with the collaborative platform. I'd love to help and contribute as much as I can. Okay, great. Thank you.